Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 38. I just think if you're a parent, you need to be kind to yourself. There are obviously times you're going to become, whether you have a child with a learning difference or not, there are times when you're going to feel frustrated, tired, angry, etc., impatient. That's okay. You know, you, you have to look after yourself and your own needs. And if you don't, you can't possibly meet the needs of your child. And, you know, with your child, just accept that you've got all these great strategies. Some days they're going to work. Other days you can throw them all out of the window and they're definitely not going to work. It's a process. It's a learning process. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you are going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. Today, I have my guest, Suzanne. We are actually going to get into the teaching side of people's ADHD journey. So we're going to talk about how teachers can work with children who have neurodiversity type situations. And we're going to also dig into how parents can work with the teachers. How do we build relationships? How do we help the children overall? So I'm very excited about having her here. So Suzanne, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here. So please tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background and what you do. So my name is Suzanne and I'm on Instagram with the at teaching with a difference. I've been a teacher for 21 years. <laughs> a long, long, wow. makes me feel That's so awesome. <laughs> and I've been supporting students with learning differences uh, for about 10 years now. I got into it because my partner has ADD with inattentive subtype. Okay. Um, so I started reading about all learning differences, actually, not, not just ADHD. Um, and I did quite a bit of d- training with the ADHD Foundation. And now I, I actually train teachers myself about all learning differences. Oh, wow. So are you doing both right now? Do you teach and also help teachers? Yeah, so um, my regular job, I teach academic English. Okay. I run the learning support provision. I also train teachers about learning differences. Wow. And then on top of that, I have a private business teaching with a difference where I support younger students um, with learning differences. So wow. and I'm a mom, so there's a lot going on. <laughs> that is so awesome. So tell us, so as a teacher. How have you helped children that are, you know, as you said, have these learning differences? How do you help them get through school? Well, for me, it's about two things. It's about one, teaching them about how the brain works and in particular, a neurodivergent brain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because I think I'm always quite surprised at 
you know, the lack of knowledge when I speak to children and their parents, you know, they might have had a diagnosis or they might have suspected their child has ADHD or something yeah. else. But when I delve deeper, they don't really know that much more about it. So that's part of it, because I feel like it really can empower anybody when you know what's going on in your sort of neuro makeup. And the second thing, I really try and focus on just getting them to exploit their strengths, um, because I just I still feel that the narrative hasn't been pushed that far enough. I still feel, particularly at schools and, and where I work to a certain extent, that the emphasis on, you know, what does the child struggle with? What does the child find difficult? Rather than what's the child good at and mm. how can we exploit this to help them succeed? That is so really good. So, so that's kind of the overall, are there any um, specific like techniques that you use to help go that direction? Well, as I say, the, the main thing I do at the beginning is I, I give them quite an extensive questionnaire and it okay. includes a lot of, you know, what do you enjoy? What mm -hmm. are you good at? Mm -hmm. How do you like learning best? And then I sort of form the techniques around I them. I mean, the one thing I would say is there's no sort of silver bullet, if that's the right expression. There's no magic bullet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I think labeling can be important but i think more important is the individual and i think it's about constantly you know checking in with the individual asking them is this working for you do we need to change it up do we need mm. to adapt it and just keep it should be a process it's a it's a real journey you know and i think you know there's there's so many techniques that work for various people, you know, movement. I'm a great believer in movement mm. while learning. A lot of teachers will have a movement break built into their lesson, but I like to flip it because I, you know, the dopamine is created, which helps with learning when we're moving. So I like students to get up and move when they can to help learning. I use a lot of multi-sensory resources, um, which can be really helpful for working memory support. Yeah. You know, mind maps, videos. I use a lot of color-coded um, language on, on the board and with handouts and things like that. I mean, there's, there's so much about, but I think what I wanted to say as well is what I found in my experience is nobody is just ADHD, just yeah. dyslexic. It's a real kind of rainbow profile for most kids, for, for all kids, really. So I would say to teachers, try not to kind of box people in so much right. and don't go, okay, so that child has ADHD, so we'll do this, this and this. You know, they might have touch of dyslexia they might show ASD traits also so this is what I mean about looking at the person mm -hmm. as a whole and then shaping the techniques around them I love that so basically you're meeting them where that particular child is right exactly, exactly. okay okay that makes perfect sense 
So do you think it's important for parents of ADHD children to stay in touch and really develop relationships with the teachers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I think, you know, most parents, if they're not the experts at the beginning, they can they certainly become the experts Mm -hmm. at the end or or any, you know, adults who who are caring for that child. Um, I think parents need to take on the role of advocate and informer. And I think teachers need to be very open-minded and really listen properly to what Mm. the parent is telling them. Um, And I think with parents, sometimes I find the parents are maybe a bit reticent, a bit shy. They think, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't be telling the teacher they're an expert in their field, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily an expert in different learning differences, you know, Mm. so... I think they definitely need to keep those lines of communication open. I think all the dots should be joined around a child. Mm -hmm. So all the significant adults in the child's life. So not just the main teacher, you know, all the teachers, the principal, the head of the year, the parents, the carers, everybody needs to communicate. And obviously the child themselves, if that's possible. Yeah. And I I really agree with that. I mean, one of the things that I did that I didn't realize that a lot of parents didn't do is build those relationships with anyone that interacted with my child. So I knew everyone from the librarian to the gym teacher, to the music teacher, to the regular teachers, to the guidance counselors and to the principals. And that was because I just wanted to be able to understand how they would be interacting with my child. But also I wanted to be able to understand how I can teach my child to interact with this particular teacher, right? And so yeah. once I got to know the teachers, I could say, okay, this is how your teacher X will be able to receive your information. So this is what you need to do. So I was basically like you advocating for both sides. So yes, really building that relationship for me was so important. And I didn't realize people would thank me for being active in my child's education and life. I didn't realize that a lot of parents didn't do that. And it could be for so many reasons. I'm not going to say, you know, exactly why, but I just didn't realize that parents didn't really always do that. And I think that is so important to engage. So. So the library staff where I work, they were really keen um, to learn, to go on learning difference training Mm -hmm. because a lot of the students with learning differences were kind of hanging out in the library because maybe for whatever reason some of them didn't want to interact with you know other kids or you know be in the playground or whatever so they were gravitating towards the library so once the library staff had had that training it was amazing you know they could interact with the kids they could pass on messages to other teachers so they were kind of the hub they've become the hub of of my school and you know, they've been a real inspiration, actually. I love that. I love that. So if a parent is trying to advocate for their child, how should they approach the teachers for support? What should be that first step? I mean, I think, you know, obviously asking for a a meeting and I would always say try and have as many, like you've just mentioned, as many of the other teachers there because 
you know, what I find really frustrating is that as a teacher trainer, I might reach one teacher and they're really, you know, they want to get on board. They want to learn everything. They want the best for that child. But then you've got teachers X, Y, and Z who aren't on board or who aren't even aware that they have a child with a learning difference in their class. So for sure, try and get a meeting with as many of your child's teachers as possible. And, you know, just come at it for, you know, all teachers, I, I would hope, want the best for that child. If you don't, then you would, you're really in the wrong profession. Mm. So I would say, you know, just come at it from a really positive look. We're all, we're all in this. We want the child to succeed, to be comfortable in the education setting. And, you know, so this is a positive thing for everyone. Maybe like you said, you, you can, the teachers can learn from me and I can find out maybe things about my child that, you know, that you, you're an expert in as well. So I think, you know, just come at it from a very kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a great positive experience gotcha. for a learning experience mm-hmm. rather than I'm demanding a meeting I see. to tell you about this problem, you know? Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. And are there any steps that for parents that sh- they should take if they feel that are they're not getting that support? I mean, what extra should they do if they ask for that meeting or if they need support for their child, but they're just not getting it? I mean, I can only obviously speak from a UK perspective. Mm-hmm. And even then, um, I'm aware from people I talk to that even different schools here have, have different kind of attitudes and different, you know, different sort of lines of where you can go if you don't get what you want from the school. But I would basically say as a general thing, you know, go to the head, go to the principal. Mm-hmm. And if they're not forthcoming, there are loads of great external agencies that can help you. In the UK, we have um, an organisation called the ADHD Foundation. Mm. They're based in Liverpool, but they have a fantastic website and it's got some amazing resources about anything you can want to ask about ADHD for teachers, for parents and for the children themselves. Um, They have a helpline as well. So I would say agencies and organizations like that are a great resource and I know the ADHD foundation um, can also sort of act as a go-between between Mm -hmm. the parents and the child and the school I wish I knew somewhere in the US but uh, that's for sure where you could go to if you're in the UK yeah and we have similar setups where I mean again it just really depends on the state right it depends on the school system yeah. so like for example in my school system we actually have a local person that represents all learning differences all diagnosis and so if you need somebody to help you go into a meeting and advocate there's somebody who is set up here but there are some cities that do not have that but there are people like you know, people's pastors or counselors or friends who are other teachers in other schools who I've known to go in and advocate for their child. So the idea is go and ask and research and find who can help you if you don't know how to do it on your own. So that's kind of what you can do here in the U.S. and in Canada and some, you know, some other areas too. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing I, you know, I've had um, parents who found me on Twitter or on Instagram mm-hmm. and have just said, can you help? And I've, you know, done a report and I've sent it to the school on their mm-hmm. behalf. So it just depends as well on your financial circumstances exactly. if you can afford to go right. get some private help, you know, but yes. there's always a way, like you say, if you research. Exactly. Definitely. Okay. So from the teacher side of things, what should teachers who do not know about ADHD or much about ADHD, how should they help these children? Okay, so this is my passion. (laughs) I really think there is no excuse nowadays. There's just no excuse. There's so much information on the internet. There's books. There's so many resources. You know, you literally, you can just Google ADHD teacher resources and you'll get a million things coming up. I think it's just general good practice for teachers to be reading a few times a week or, you know, 15 minutes a day, whatever. Just If you know you have a child in your class with ADHD, you can just start reading. And it's such an invaluable thing to do because you'll just pick up tips, strategies. And the most important thing is you'll be able to empathize with that child and hopefully put yourself in their shoes. So, um, yeah, just read, read, read. There's so much out there at the moment that you can you can find out about ADHD. Yeah. And so for those who are, I mean, how do I say this? Just like anyone, some people struggle with the ADHD diagnosis. And so, like you said, there's so much information that hopefully will give them a different view and put them in the child's shoes or the adult shoes that has ADHD, because they sometimes don't realize all the struggles that they're going through through, right? So what would you say to that teacher who's just not sure if they believe in it or not? Um, That's a very good question. I mean, so when I do my teacher training, I try and put the teachers into the position of the person with ADHD. And when I, every time I do that, it's like, oh my God, you know, now I can see why this person did this or why this person, you know, for a good example is, and this is definitely not for everybody with ADHD, it it can be other learning differences too. It's common that the child might be asking a lot of questions throughout the class, interrupting the teacher. Now, this is a really common strategy, even if it's a subconscious strategy, for the person with ADHD to keep focused on what's going on in the lesson because of possible distractions, because of possible working memory deficit problems. But what it looks like is just a disruptive child, mm. you know? So, what you know, when I explain things like this to teachers, they go, oh, wow you know, that person was doing that and, you know, they have ADHD and they weren't just being rude or they weren't just being disruptive. So I think anything like that, where you can just, again, it's going back to what's going on in the brain, you know, looking at the science, there's a reason behind every behavior, if you want to call it behavior, you're not just disruptive. You're not just, you know, not focusing on what's going on. There's always a reason. 
So I think, again, it's just, you know, reading about about something and finding out why certain things happened. And that can create an immediate connection and, and an empathy with the child. Yeah, I like that. And one of the things that when we had our meetings, I always brought up, you know, my son, for example, it's not like he wants to do these things, right? He doesn't want to interrupt. He's just so excited and he has the answer. He doesn't want to be in people's faces. He just loves to just, you know, he loves the energy, right? And so all of these things that it's really frustrating for him. I mean, I will talk to him after the fact or after an incident happened and he will say, I don't know why I do these things, right? And sometimes he'll just say, I'm just happy. He just wants great. To, yeah, he just wants to just be involved. And like you said, once you get not yelled at, but just once you get talked to multiple times about what you're doing, he feels so bad and so horrible about what he's done, even though he doesn't mean to do it on purpose, right? So really understanding that from not just the teachers, but just anyone that works with a child, really understanding it from their perspective is so, so important. So, you know, I like that. I like the fact that you're teaching them to see it from their eyes, because again, they don't always want to do what they do. Absolutely. And it's just taking a step back and having that compassionate approach, you know, Exactly. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with that. And then how can teachers put themselves in a better position to help these children? So you talked about doing the research and you talked about putting themselves in the child's shoes. Is there anything else that they can do to better position themselves to help these children? Well, I think that inclusive practice should just be a given, you know, Mm -hmm. This is what we I try and do with the teacher training when I'm training teachers. Rather than thinking, oh, well, this is how I teach normally, and I might have to do something extra for the child with ADHD or something different for the child with dyslexia, kind of scrap all that way of thinking and just say, okay, if I teach in this way, if I use these particular materials, you know, multi-sensory resources Mm -hmm. deliver your you know the way you're giving instructions to be short literal concise you know think about changing the background colors of your whiteboards or your Mm -hmm. handouts to a pastel color the school I teach in now that's just standard um the the posters on the wall everything's a pastel color with a dyslexia font um so it's to me that's true inclusive practice and Mm -hmm. the interesting thing is is that when the teachers do that they basically try and teach as though the whole class has a learning difference Mm -hmm. all the students that don't have a learning difference go wow this is much easier to understand now it's much more interesting for me And that's why it's inclusive. So rather than thinking it's a minority of people you have to make all these special little changes for, change your perspective and Mm -hmm. teach the whole class like they have a learning difference. And that's just good practice. I like that. That's beautiful. 
And how can teachers and parents continue to support each other? So we talked about, you know, first building that relationship and developing the relationships with teachers and parents, but how can they continue to work together throughout the school years? So I think, as I was saying before, I think just recognizing that it's a journey. I think things like the individual education plan is great as a beginning you know as a marker at the beginning but there needs to be regular reviews and regular review meetings built in throughout the year so you know it's a good start but then after a few months arranging another meeting between the parents and the teachers and just reviewing and saying you know I think this is working really well but when my child does their homework they're still finding this, you know, really, really difficult. And then just adapt, constantly adapting, adapting. So, you know, keep the, keep the lines of communication open with a view to changing and adapting the IEP. Okay, very nice. So is there anything that we did not talk about? Any other tips that you may have, whether it's for the parents, teachers, or both? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say... Because obviously, you know, I, I live with my fiance is has ADD, as I said. Um, he's a he's a large child, he's nearly 50. <laughs> but to me, it's the same, you know, whether yeah. you're five, whether you're 50, mm. a human is a human, you know. I just think if you're a parent, you need to be kind to yourself. Yeah. There are obviously times you're going to become, whether you have a child with a learning difference or not, there are times when you're going to feel frustrated, tired, angry, etc., impatient. That's okay. You know, you, you have to look after yourself and your own needs. And if you don't, you can't possibly meet the needs of your child. And, you know, with your child, just accept that you've got all these great strategies some days they're going to work, other days you can throw them all out of the window and they're definitely not going to work. It's a process. It's a learning process. Try and if you can, add a sense of humour. You know, if something goes wrong, you know, hopefully if nobody died, it's not the end of the world. You know, <laughs> right. you can laugh about it. Yeah. And tomorrow's another day, you know, just kindness, compassion to yourself and to your child. That's super, super, super important. Love it. Are there any types of resources that are out there that you could recommend for people to look at, be it on, you know, YouTube channels or podcasts or books they may be able to check out? Well, I would say that the ADHD Foundation website is a really good one. The ADHD Good Life is a great yes, podcast. I'd highly yes. recommend that. There's a good channel on YouTube called the Adult ADHD Channel. Okay. Which is young adults talking about their ADHD and what's helped them, you know, how they've gotten over their struggles. There's a couple of books. Now, I was just realizing if I hold them up, they'll be back to front. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so I'll just save them. Hang on. <laughs> So the first one is called The Power of Neurodiversity. Oh, it shows perfectly. Okay. Yes. It's by Thomas Armstrong. Okay. 
this is great because it's all about the positives okay. and the strengths and how to exploit them. And you may have heard of the second one. It's called Healing ADD. Oh, no, I haven't. Nice. Healing ADD, and it's by Daniel Amen. It's about looking at, again, the strengths and the positives okay. of ADD. And it also gives some sort of natural approaches, if that's the kind of thing gotcha. that you are into. Perfect. And if, if anybody has any more questions for you, can you also give your Instagram handle again and any other way of getting hold of you? Yeah, sure. So it's at teaching with a difference. You can go onto my IG page or send me a message. And my email is Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, at teachingwithadifference.com. Perfect. Yay. You have to check her out because she is absolutely awesome. So Suzanne, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate that. That was really good. So thank you. All right, everyone. That concludes another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye, Suzanne. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.